All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for all that you're doing. And now as we turn the page in the summer 2019, Lord, we, uh, we are thankful for all that uh, lies ahead of us. And Lord, the heart of it is relationship, relationship with you first and foremost. And then Lord, relationship with the church, as imperfect as uh, the church is at times, Lord, we are thankful for it. Lord, it's your church. You call us to love one another as you have loved us. Lord, you, you say that as we do that, that is the testimony that all men will know that we are your disciples by our love one for another. And so, Lord, I'm excited that through a barbecue, through a car show, through workshops, through swell, Lord, uh, we can love one another. We can love one another, and that is the testimony uh, to the world. So, Lord, uh, thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord. And as we open your word uh, and really focus on your word and what, uh, what it means, its importance to, to us in our walk, its importance to us as a church, Lord, we're thankful for the growth and the journey that we're on uh, together as a church family. So, so, Lord, speak to us. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers because you say in James we just here today, and we don't do anything with it. You say that we're deceived, we're deluded, and we don't want that. So, Lord, uh, bring the application and the understanding, all for your glory. All God's people said, amen. amen. We're going to jump right into Acts chapter 8. It's going to come up on the screens. Just a story, and then we're just going to use this to jump on off. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Acts, 20, Acts 8, verse 26. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Right? I love this story because supernaturally, God sends Philip down this road And, you know, he sees this official reading Isaiah out loud in his chariot, runs over, says, hey, do you understand that? You understand what you're reading? Right. And I love the response. He says, how can I unless someone guides me? Right. And as I was reading that, it really, really made me think of my own journey with Jesus and this whole relationship with the Bible. You know, I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, and and for the most part, I knew about the Bible, never owned a Bible, let alone wrote in a Bible, probably let alone read a Bible. 
right? I, I knew the Bible was there, but pretty much in that tradition, we went to Mass faithfully. Can't really even remember missing much from, you know, this big. But then I come to to really be exposed to, to Christian faith, and, and I go to church, invited to church uh, in San Diego. But they don't call their church services church services. They call them Bible studies. Hey, you want to come to Bible study? Even on Sundays, hey, you want to go to Bible study? You know, there's like 2,000 people there, but it's called the Bible study, right? Wednesday night, there's 800 people there, and it's called the Bible study. And everyone has Bibles. Everyone has Bibles. They're bringing them, and they're opening them, and they're writing in them. I'm like, right? And again, it's this journey that that I'm I'm kind of observing, and then I go to a home group, and they all have Bibles. And we worship. And then they open the Bible and we study the Bible. I'm like, I didn't know you could do this. I literally did not know you could do this for yourself. And, and so I come to faith in Jesus. And lo and behold, I get my first Bible gifted to me. And I think I showed you this a couple of weeks ago. It's like the cover's worn off. But this is uh, given to me by my then girlfriend, wife. Beyonce? What were you? I don't remember what you were in 1988. But um, 1988. Yeah, she gave this to me, Sunrise Service at SeaWorld. We used to go to Sunrise Service at SeaWorld. They would open a stadium and it would fill up from everyone from San Diego, and we'd do Sunrise Service at SeaWorld. So after service or before, she gave me this. 1988, right? It was a New King James Version. New King James Version because in the Calvaries, pretty much Calvary Chapels, if you're familiar with Calvary Chapels, is New King James. Just just is you know and for me i just walk in and everyone pretty much has a new king james all the pastors preach expositorily from new king james everyone has a new king james right even sometimes and i really understand it sometimes they would actually make jokes and kind of be a little sarcastic about non new king jamers or non king jamesers right they would kind of make fun of those other translations out there and i didn't really understand it because i just took it for granted that Everyone just has a new King James, right? And so I would learn. I got, I got over, you know, the fear of it. So now I have all my first notes. Growing up as a young believer, highlights, right? First verses I ever memorized, New King James. So that's deeply ingrained, right, from the late 80s, early 90s. First years of ministry in San Diego, youth pastor, New King James, wherever I went, New King James, New King James, duh, New King James. Right? And it worked. And then in 1999, we moved up here to Ojai to be the, I was going to be the youth pastor at Ojai Valley uh, Community Church. And it, so I brought my new King James. And working with the junior hires and high schoolers there, it was fine. Right? Very small percentage of them actually brought Bibles at that time, you know. And so they didn't, you know, okay, yeah, new King James. The challenge happened as I was given more opportunity over there to preach on Sundays. And at that time, congregation was probably 500-ish. And so I would get this opportunity once or twice, three times a year. And right away, there was this challenge because I was a new King Jameser, and 90-plus percent of 500 people were NIV ears. Oh, <laughs> right? Ooh, right? And so the first time I went up there, I wasn't really aware of the extent of this, Right? So I went up there and I just preached out of New King James, just like normal, right? It was a problem. I've been doing this for a decade, New King James. And then I'm like, 
you know, you kind of see body language from where, from, from my vantage point, Sundays are radically different because I get to see all of you. You know, some of you that are focused, some of you that went to sleep late last night and it's all you can do to stay awake. I see it all right here, right? I see it all. It's amazing. I should put a camera here so you all can watch yourself one time. Like, some of you try so hard to stay awake. And I know you want to be here, but sometimes inside I'm just dying because I'm preaching about heaven and and. And Mark, Elder Mark, God bless you, buddy. But you try really hard some Sunday mornings. I know. It's probably why you sit with no one on that edge. So if you fall over, you'll fall into the aisle and not onto someone's lap. But um, so it got kind of weird. And I'm like, okay, most of them are NIV. So what am I going to do? Right? And then I, I, it was like all these gymnastics. So the time I go up, next time I go up there, because, you know, how many of you have old, old habits? They just die hard. So, like, I'm not giving up New King James. I'm going to bring up New King James, and in my notes, I'm just going to say N- NIV says this. Right? You, you kind of, like, try to please everyone. It's just it's impossible. So, and, and I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And I really brought it to the Lord. And he says, well, you know, it's not about me. For the sake of them, why don't you just switch? What's, just switch. And so I switched. Right, I switched and I became NIV and it was I didn't even know what this 1984 NIV and it was and and then we just kind of went through there. In 2010, God leads us to start this church, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. We begin in Cindy's living room, and I'm NIV, 1984 NIV, and we've been 1984 NIV since. This church started in 2010. In fact, in our statement of faith, it says this about the scriptures. It's always been foundational. It says this. We believe the Bible, comprised of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, to be the verbally inspired word of God, the final authority for faith and life, inerrant in the original writings, infallible, and God-breathed with all those verses. It's been foundational. We've taught on the Bible numerous times over the last nine, ten years together. And it's been pretty much 1984 NIV. Now, you know our style here. If you've been with me any length of time, you know we put up a, different, a lot of different translations up there, and I intentionally put the parentheses so you know where it's coming from. But it's always been foundational, the Word of God, right? 2 Timothy 3 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, right? This isn't just another textbook. This isn't just another book. You pick up at Barnes and Nobles. This is the word of God. That's what we believe. I mean, think about that. This is, this is what we believe, and that there, therefore it carries weight. In fact, authority. We believe this is the very word of God. God breathed, breathed out by God, according to the version, right? And then Paul speaks to Timothy about the primary role of a pastor. What he says in 2 Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God. This is in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. Right? So the Apostle Paul is telling his young mentor Timothy, you've got to preach this. This is what a pastor does foundationally. 
Shepherd the flock of God. How are we supposed to shepherd the flock of God? You feed the flock of God. What do you feed the flock of God? The word of God. Amen? The truth. And in the last 30 years of ministry, I've got to tell you, man, to stay the course and to stay true to this, it has just become much more difficult because it's become much more unpopular, even in the quote-unquote broader scale of the church. But we've been committed. We've drove the stake in the ground. We drove the stake in the ground. And so we're committed to preaching and teaching the truth, God's word, right? We believe it's not just another book, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We believe there's a supernatural aspect to this, the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been through a situation, you're going through it, and God brings a verse to your mind? Great comfort. Or you're in a, in a, in a meeting with someone, and you're like, they're, they're seeking counsel, and God brings the verse. That, that, that ministers to that person through you. It's living and active through the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't just like a lecture. You know, when, I'm hoping when you come on Sundays, this isn't just like a seminar you're coming to or some, you know, college class. We believe we are here supernaturally to hear from a supernatural book through the supernatural Holy Spirit. That's what we believe. That's what we believe. That's why he says be hearers and doers, right? It's important for salvation, right? What does it say in First Peter? Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. That's how we're born again. Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So there's salvation built on the word of God and sanctification. John, Jesus says in John 17, sanctify them in the truth, set them apart, make them holy in the truth. Your word is truth. Romans 12, we spent a year on Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosis, right, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? It's about transformation, sanctification, right? You heard me say before, the Bible was not given for information, but for transformation. If you're looking at the Bible just to gain more information, you miss the purpose of it. It's for transformation, the renewing of your mind. In fact, the barbecue and everything we do here comes back to this. See, most people would say you're having a barbecue. No, what we're having is biblical fellowship, koinonia, because we're called to love one another. Oh, you're having a workshop. No, we're exercising the one anothering. Oh, you're helping somebody move. No, we're one anothering. Everything in here is a manifestation that comes back to the word of God that we're supposed to be doing. Giving, communion, baptism. It's all, if you, if you were to, you know, each, each had a little trail, it would come back to here. Everything we do around here has to be rooted and founded in scripture that's what we're about right so 2010 to present tense as of last sunday we were using the red bibles i would call them the red bibles the red bibles in your rows were 1984 nivs right in fact if you didn't know we were moving from the living room to the wesleyan church where we rented and we wanted to give people the word of god that 1984 nfe 
And the Lord provided those red Bibles from what was then CLC, Church of the Living Christ, because they had transitioned as their house Bible, I call it their house Bible, to the NLT, or the New Living Translation. So Pastor Ron and I are friends. He said, hey, we got a whole bunch of red Bibles. You want them? I'm like, yeah. We're a small church. Freebies are good. So for nine years, you've seen red Bibles, and we refer to them as the 1984. In 2011, Zondervan and the translators of the NIV came out with the NIV 2011. And they chose to quit, um, to discontinue publishing the 1984. You can't find them anymore. You just can't can't find them anymore. It's very difficult online. And so we've hung in there. And many of you have taken red Bibles. No problem. Some of them have been, you know, destroyed, lost, whatever. But our inventory here has been... And over the last few years, the question to the leadership has been, what are we going to do? We can't even get these anymore. What are we going to do for a house Bible, for the Bible that we want to give away for, you know, um, if someone uh, needs a Bible? What are we going to give them? We're running out of the 1984s. So we've been praying about this, talking about it as a leadership team for for some time. And uh, we believe that God has led us to the ESV. That's the Bible there, the English Standard Version. All right? Now, here's what I do. And this is kind of more of a church family day because of the barbecue. The ESV is what we call the house Bible. What does that mean? House Bible means it's available in the house. House of God. If you want to use it you know that that's going to be the English Standard Version. Very important. We have the, the ESV as a house Bible, but we're, the well or Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship is not ESV only. So everyone say, not only. Because some of you are like wigging out right now. No, it's not ESV only. It's ESV in the house. Right? You know, again, when I preach and teach, a lot of translations go up, but we needed consistency. And we're going to spend some time explaining to you even this whole area of Bible translation and picking one. Because a lot of us, honestly, just think, and we're going to come back to this. Think right now. The version or the translation Bible that you have right now that you would call your primary, why? Okay, just think about that. Right? Somebody's doing this, right? Why do you, why, did you actually prayerfully consider, evaluate all that were out there and seek God for which translation he would want you to have? Or, you know, was it a gift? Was it tradition? Was, what was it? Color? Precious moments? Right? Little green precious moments thing, right? Was it cool? But why do you have your particular translation? Just, it's, it's not a criticism. It's just a challenge. Because it's important. Everything I laid, everything I said about the importance in church and in your life, being coming back to the Word of God, probably the version and translation you pick as your primary should probably be a little bit important. And if you haven't even known that you could pick, praise God, because today you can be free to pick. Amen? Right? So it's not ESV only. It is not that. The other thing that this message is not about, we are not slamming any other version. We are not. There's a lot of mudslinging out there over the last eight years and all this kind of stuff, and a lot of it is crazy. It's amazing. One thing I read this long ago, and it's so true in ministry, especially from my perspective. You know one thing that the church is really good at? Shooting its own wounded. 
It's crazy out there how the church treats itself. You know, we're supposedly brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet we just get brutal with each other. And when I've been researching this whole Bible translation thing, man, people are we're like, where's the love, bro? Right? We just got done saying, Jesus said, by your love, one for another. They'll you know you're my disciples, except if you read this. Because it becomes about pride and arrogance and self-righteousness in our way. And we got to be right. you got to be real careful with that. you got to be super careful with losing the command to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? And, 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 and I'm not saying you don't vet it. I'm not saying you don't search it out. None of that. But this should not be a source of of contention or division in the church. Amen? Amen. If, that's, if that's where we go here, then, we, then I missed it. Then I didn't do a good job. It, I just blew it. This represents my journey in ministry and personal life. These are all different versions of the Bible. This is like I wanted to show you where I have been, starting with New King James and King James and coming through. Well, here's King James, this NASB. This is called the CEV, this NIV. We'll get to this one later. It's called the Jesus book, right? I just show this with you to put everyone at ease, that it's okay. So it's not ESV only. It's not rightness and wrongness. It's not throwing anyone under the bus. It's none of that. It's absolutely none of that, right? In fact, here's the thing that, that really sometimes us in the American church, we forget that there's a whole world outside of the United States. There are millions of people on this planet who don't even own a Bible. Never even seen a Bible. Never even heard the name Jesus. So this idea of all this arguing and debating about versions and translations is ridiculous to them. They would just kill to have any version of the Bible that's legitimately, doctrinally sound. This is such more an American issue because we're so consumer-driven and we're so blessed with technology and money that we can have all these big debates about which translation is best when there's a world going to hell because they just need to know Jesus. There's a convicting part of this, man. We just get so self-righteous as a church sometimes. It's just mind-boggling. Right? And then we walk around like, oh, you know, we're, we're the best. We're right. We're ESV, you know? Come on, man. That's just pride. That's just pride. And so we want to help you today to kind of understand this translation and why we're moving forward. In 2013, there were five best-selling translations. Just kind of know in the marketing world, right, best-selling, New International, King James, English Standard Version, New Living Translation, New King James Version, right? Those are just the five best-selling. Just kind of a thought. And you're just like, oh. You know, Bible, if you didn't know, for years and years, the Bible is still the best-selling book in the entire world, right? Right, so, so I love, how we got to get a handle on this to check really our pride and our self-righteousness. I love what John Piper says about all this. He says, I would rather have people read any translation of the Bible, no matter how weak, than to read no translation of the Bible. If there could be only one translation in English, I would rather it be my least favorite than that there be none. God uses every version to bless people and save people. Right? It's a great check. I love that perspective. He has his favorite. He will land and his church lands somewhere. 
but he has the right perspective. There are people on the planet today who are going to get saved through the King James Version today. There are people who are going to get saved through the NIV today and the ESV, right? Be careful when you think in your faith you got a lock on something. You need to be real careful about that, okay? So how can we help you to, to kind of see this? Get, how do, you know, you see, okay, yeah, you went through all this. I don't get it. I don't get it. I go to a Christian bookstore and I go, my brain goes into brain freeze because there's rows of Bibles. Anyone? Like rows. You're like KJV, NKJV, NIV, RSV, ESV, NLT, LMNOP. You're like, what? I'm like, what is this? It's like Christian jargon. Like only the select few know what those mean, right? It's like PhD degrees. I don't know what that means. So here, let me, let me help you a little bit, just to get a broad sense of, of, of how to get a handle on this, because you're all responsible to really decide this, you know? So put up a diagram. Basically, one way to look at it is there's, there's a spectrum. Everyone say spectrum. spectrum. And then everyone say not box. Because <laughs> we like boxes. We want to put everything and everybody in a box. There's a spectrum. So the main spectrums when it comes to Bible translations, there's word for word thought for thought, and a paraphrase. These are just different translations that would fall in the spectrum, generally where they would land in the spectrum, right? So word for word, really their heart is, okay, what's the original language and how can we stay true to the words? The NIV is thought for thought. They read it, they want to stay true to the original language, but they want to make it a little more easier to read, they're more, what is the thought and how would this be expressed in 2019? And then paraphrases are, are really more commentaries, really broad commentaries, right? So word for word, thought for thought, paraphrase. So if you have a Bible, if you own a Bible, now you kind of see where you land. Okay, kind of helpful. Another way to look at it is this. Okay, that says more literal, less literal. Okay, really important. There is no perfect translation. Why is that? Because there's no perfect human being. Okay? So you've got to stop looking for perfection. These are a spectrum. These tend to want to be more literal, word for word. Those, is, again, in other ways, you just kind of go less literal. Right? That's kind of how, how it works. Now, the ESV, it, it's funny because I don't know how many of you, I never did this when I had Bibles. I never read the preface. Anyone ever read the preface to a book even, right? All right, so, so I never read that. I just said, oh, so-and-so said this is a good Bible, so I just started reading it. I never read the translating committee's desire philosophy of, of why they did this this way. So let's look at this real quick. The ESV. This is from the ESV translation philosophy. Here's what the guys say. The ESV is an essentially literal translation that seeks as much as possible to capture the precise wording of the original text and the personal style of each Bible writer. As such, its emphasis is on word-for-word correspondence, at the same time taking into account differences of grammar, syntax, and idiom between current literary English and their original languages. Thus, it seeks to be transparent to the original text, letting the reader see as directly as possible the structure and meaning of the original. Okay? So that's good. But the couple things that happen with this, they're going to leave in words that maybe you don't speak anymore in 2019, which now you are responsible to go study and seek. 
which means that it may not be as cool sounding, maybe a little more formal sounding, but the onus is on us as the readers. Okay? Now, here's what the NIV, just comparing the two, the NIV philosophy says this. The updated NIV you now have in your hands builds on both the original NIV and the TNIV. That came out in 2005. And represents the latest effort of the committee to articulate God's unchanging word in the way the original authors might have said it. Had they been speaking in English to the global English-speaking audience today, the first concern of the translators has continued to be the accuracy of the translation and its faithfulness to the intended meaning of the biblical writers. This has moved the translators to go beyond a formal word-for-word rendering of the original text. Okay? Just kind of wanted to get, let you hear it from them, give you more knowledge, be more educated to prayerfully evaluate and consider. Right? Here's the thing. All you got to do is Google, and you can find criticisms of any, anything. Right? You find what you're looking for. Anyone? You ever heard that? You find what you're looking for. Right? You want to go to a church, and you want to find something wrong with it? Not too hard. You find what you're looking for. You want to be critical. You want to be negative. Anything. People, your job, your boss, your spouse, your kids, this church, me. You can find it. Same with this. You can find. You can find it. Right? And it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it puts you in bondage. Right? So we're not saying there's not, you can't say there's, there's perfection out there, but it doesn't discount accuracy. The core Bibles, the translation committees are committed to accuracy. NIV, ESV. They believe in the infallibility of Scripture. They want to be true. It's just philosophically, one tends to be a little more word for word, which might make it a little less 2019 contemporary. Some wants to be a little more contemporary and a little more easy to read, but you open the door up for being less direct word for word. It's just it's a, philosoph- it's a philosophical thing, right? I love what John Piper says, because someone asked John Piper, he said, hey, so what should I do? And his, his suggestion, which I recommend, is pick one as your primary to memorize and to study and then use a whole bunch of them to get to know really what it means. Pick one. Use that. And then don't be afraid to see what else God is using out there to bless people and save people. Right? In fact, he says this. What matters most of all is that all of us immerse our minds in the scriptures every day until we are conformed in our thinking and in our feeling to the mind and the heart of Christ. What really, what really matters, right, is that you're in the word of God. Amen? And the word of God is getting in you. We get caught up so much in debates and arguing and being right da, 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 that we never even get into it. That's the crazy thing. The devil and the world gets us so spun into arguing, debating, that we don't even have time to read it anymore, let alone memorize it, let alone come to Tuesday to study it. We just want to be right. And once we feel like we're right, then we just put it to the side. That's not what it was designed to do, okay? I asked Bill to come up for a few minutes. Bill is an elder here at the church, teaches uh, Tuesday night, facilitates, I should say, right, facilitates our Tuesday night discussion Bible study. And this is his passion. He's kind of got the nickname of the Bible Answer Man around here. Um, yeah, <laughs> wow, you got applause for that. Um, he is a man of God, man of the Word. He has studied this. He has looked into this uh, translation 
uh, issue in depth, and I just wanted him to share his heart about where he lands with the whole translation thing. Thanks, Richie. So um, a number of years ago, uh, before uh, I had uh, decided uh, to uh, receive Christ into my life, uh, I, was, I was on this journey. Uh, and uh, and uh, through the radio, no Bible, never owned a Bible, never read a Bible, had a pretty strong opinion about a Bible that I never read. Anyway, I was on this journey, and I was listening to the radio, and I was pretty convicted. And, uh, and uh, Chuck Swindoll on the radio, on his radio program, said, uh, you should be reading a Bible. And it convicted me, uh, so I thought, well, I better get a Bible. So I, I did what, uh, what you just suggested. I went to the Christian bookstore, and uh, you know, part of my own testimony is, is I was actually embarrassed that I might be seen going into a Christian bookstore, but I did. And so I went in, and I, and I walked right straight to the counter, and there was a, a young girl working at the counter, and she says, can I help you? And I said, yes, uh, I'm, I'm here to buy a Bible. And she said, which one? What do you mean, which one? I had no idea that there was more than one. Tra- I thought a Bible was a Bible was a Bible. And so I, I told her, I actually shared with her, I, I'm, 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 I just need a Bible. Because Chuck Swindoll told me I needed a Bible. <laughs> I thought, what did I know? So she said, okay, I think I know where you're at. So she said, um, let, me, let me have you consider this one, this Bible. 25 years ago I bought this Bible because the young lady who I had never met at the Christian bookstore, said, this is probably the one that you should have. Uh, It's a 1984 NIV. Imagine that. Uh, It's a 1984 uh, NIV, and it's a study Bible. And she said, you you could probably use this because there's a lot of notes and cross-references. And and I said, I just, all I wanted was a Bible, and then get the heck out of Dodge and make sure that nobody (laughs) saw me in there. Um, and so my tradition obviously started with this uh, 1984 uh, NIV. Uh, coincidentally, there is no such thing as coincidence. I find myself uh, sometime, some short time after that, uh, at uh, Ojai Valley Community Church, where um, I find out uh, that most people are using the NIV. Uh, and I, and I, get, I get saved in that church uh, out of this version of the Bible. So you might imagine that my tradition and this Bible that is duct taped uh, and, um, and held together and full of uh, notes and scribbles and boxes. And um, uh, I, I'm looking at Matthew 6:19, and I have red lines, blue lines, notes, asterisks. Um, um, uh, and it says, you know, ask and it, and it will be given to you. Um, and I wrote down, I don't know when I wrote it down, but I wrote a note that said, and ask without ceasing. I wonder where that came from. And then, I, 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 and so I, I just started writing because that's what I do. I write in, in my Bible. And so, uh, and that, that was all good. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I got introduced to technology. And, uh, and so with technology, I was challenged with, um, I can't write on this um, because it's an iPad, um, and I have the iPad up right now. I, I, I've got Acts chapter eight because that's where you told us to turn, so I did. We're supposed to do that. So anyway, I did, and I turned to, uh, and I have the ESV on the right and the NLT on the left. 
And see, uh, I, I love looking at different versions of the Bible, and I've, I've learned uh, how to use technology instead of the book. It used to be that I thought that there was something wrong with you if you didn't turn pages, but I've overcome that. <laughs> and, so, uh, and, so, and so here's the deal. Um, I love to teach. I got to tell you, I walked out of that. I walked out of that Christian bookstore with this book, and I thought it was a book before I realized it was the living word of God. And this word of God, of course, has changed my life. And um, a gentleman. Uh, I got into that. When I first bought this Bible, uh, I opened it to the front because that's how you read books. And nobody taught me anything, so I didn't know anything. So I opened it up, and I started reading, and I started reading in Genesis, and I was shocked. Have you ever read Genesis? You know what's in there? I'm thinking, this is crazy. I mean, there's people killing each other and sleeping with each other, and uh, there's uh, there's... It's, it got very real very quick. And so I read from Genesis all the way to Revelation, um, uh, story for another time, but I did it without stopping. I just, I, I just couldn't get enough. I just opened it and read because I was so hungry. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you what the Lord has done in the last 25 years since I did that for the first time. He hasn't, he hasn't changed the hunger, um, but he has changed the translation. <laughs> so... So there was a, a gentleman by the name of Don Moore, and he was a pastor. And I had been a Christian for about five years, and I had just I had immersed myself in the Word of God. And he recognized that, and he said, you know what? I was going to a Bible study on Thursday mornings, and he says, but you, you ought to teach this. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be kidding me. Um, I don't even know what it says yet. And he says, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to teach he said you're clearly a student of God's word and uh, uh, that was probably the first time in my Christian walk where I stepped out of the boat uh, and Pastor Don Moore taught me how to teach uh, and I love to teach and um, so uh, long story long <laughs> I'm supposed to be out barbecuing right now by the way but it's cool because uh, Oscar's out there and Cody and and, and, and they got a team, and they're, they're making uh, tri-tip and chicken for y'all. But in any event, um, here, here's the point I'd like to make. The Word of God is alive and active and true and sufficient for every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of our lives. And when we get into the Word of God, the translation that we use is not nearly as important as the decision that you make to just get into the Word of God so that the Word of God is in you. Amen? We must be in the Word of God. It is a delight to be in the Word of God. And so on Tuesday nights what we do is we use multiple translations. And I love multiple translations because I can't speak Greek or Hebrew. And so whenever I see a word in a translation that we're using, whether it be the NIV or the New King James, and on Tuesday nights, by the way, there'll be anywhere from 
14 to 24 people that will come on a Tuesday night, and there will be five translations of the Bible that are being used by those people that are coming on Tuesday nights, and I love that, because what we do is we take a look at the words, because words matter and actually change over time, and the etymology of a word becomes very important, meaning where did it come from, and what does it mean, because in the Greek, you know, the New Testament, much of it was written in the Greek, and so if you don't understand Greek, how in the heck am I going to know what the word means if I don't know what it means in the Greek, and Greek is a beautiful language. It's very descriptive, and it's so English is so bad on a comparative basis. <laughs> I mean, English is what a mess. No wonder it's such a hard language to learn. Um, so anyway, it, the, the, but 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 the words matter, and in the original manuscripts that God inspired, you see, those words are contained in these translations, and. You have now a black Bible in, in the rows, and it's the ESV. And we've been praying about this for about three years. We've been praying about what, what translation to change to. And thank you, Richie, for that. It's, it's just the house version. Because you know what I bring on Tuesday nights? When I facilitate my 1984 NIV. I told my wife, will you bury me with this? I have what I say a natural, emotional, and spiritual attachment to my 1984 NIV. And you know what else I bring? I bring my ESV and my New King James. And I even bring, I even bring a Catholic translation. And the reason is, is because I want to know and I want to learn and I want God to speak to me through it all. So the point of the matter is, open your Bible. And if it's the ESV when you're in church, hallelujah. And if it's the NIV at home, hallelujah. And if you're really inclined with the New King James, because that's the translation you started with, hallelujah. But be in the word so that the word will be in you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. We try to keep the main thing, the main things. And, and Jesus kind of in John five, he calls out the religious leaders who kind of missed it. They, they were so consumed with academic and study, study, study that he says this in John 5.39. He's, this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They missed it. They were so academic oriented, so conference. They went to every conference. They, read, they listened to podcasts. They read all these books. And yet they missed it. They miss Jesus. The whole Bible is about a relationship. It's about a God who loves you so much that he wants a relationship with you. That's the point of the Bible. Many people call the Bible God's love story, his love letter. It's a story about love and grace and forgiveness through Jesus. And these academics missed it. Said, you refuse to come to me. And there's a lot of people that maybe go to Bible studies and serve and go to church every week. But here's the thing. You miss Jesus. And around here, we don't want you to miss Jesus. We want you to love Jesus. And that's primarily through the word of God, the spoken word of God. So everything we know about Jesus comes from here. Everything we know about salvation comes from here. 
That's why we have to know this, right? And, and I love this, right? Just how many of you, John 3.16, you know it right now, right? And if you don't, you've seen it at football games behind the goalpost, right? John 3.16. Well, what's it saying? The Living Bible. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The NIV 2011. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The King James. For God so loved the world. You have to, I don't know, sometimes people talk like that, right? That he gave his one, his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The ESV, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All these translations all point to who? Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus. All these translations, right? And so this final translation, my brother was in the Navy, and he was stationed in Hawaii, and he knew I was in ministry back in the 90s. He said, hey, I got you a gift. I said, what'd you get me? He goes, the Jesus book. I'm like, the Jesus book, right? This book was written by 26 local Hawaiians working with the Wycliffe Bible translators. And they look at the original Greek. They looked at English Bibles because their desire is to translate. And they did the New Testament into Hawaiian pidgin or Hawaiian Creole, the street language, the street language that you hear and in even more rural they said, you know what, how can we communicate to pigeon speakers, Hawaiian pigeon speakers in Hawaii, that Jesus loves them, that God loves them, right? You want to hear John 3.16 in pigeon? All right, from the Jesus book. Here it is. God, when get so plenty love and aloha for the people inside the world, that when he sent me his one and only boy, so that everybody that trusts me no get cut off from God. But get the real kind life that stay to the max forever. <laughs> Come on, right? Who wouldn't want life to the max forever? <laughs> right? I love that. Jesus, he sent me his one and only boy. Come on, right? To the max forever. See, this, this is what God wants from us with his book. Amen? This is the life. He wants us, but we get so John 3.16, King James, and we talk with the these and the thous and ESV and Living Bible. Da, da, da. No, to the max forever. <laughs> to the max forever. When was the last time you said, how can I communicate God's love to somebody who doesn't know a lick about the Bible or church, even in Hawaii? It's about them. It's about communicating to them in their lingo, their language, the skate park guys, the druggies. How would you communicate it? They're never going to come here necessarily first to hear from me. They're going to hear from you. How are you going to say to the max forever in their lingo, in their language, that they get it, that there's a God who created them and a God who wants a relationship with them through his son, Jesus, through faith. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Just reminded that we can have a life to the max forever. Do your one and only boy. Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are a big God and you are reaching people groups around this planet in so in just incredible ways with people who are talented and have compassion and a heart for people to know Jesus, even if it means spending time and, and investing incredible amount of resources into creating the Jesus book for a people group in Hawaii that desperately need Jesus. And so, Lord, thank you 
for your faithfulness in leading and guiding us as a church through this uh, time of seeking you for the next um, season of a house Bible. Lord, I pray it's, it's not about the ESV, it's about eternity here. And people come to know Jesus every week and lives being transformed. And so, Lord, as we prepare for communion, Lord, again, it's your word that tells us that when we celebrate communion, we come forward to do it in remembrance of you. And I just love the fact that we're, we get to do it in such a fun and creative way. That you are God's one and only boy. That everybody that trusts in you no get cut off from you. But we all get the real kind life that stayed to the max forever. Thank you for that. Thank you that our names are written in the book of life. Thank you that we are new creations. Thank you that we are children in your family forever through faith in Jesus. And that's my heart even for someone here this morning. Before we take communion, if you've never put your faith in God's one and only boy, Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus this morning. Savior, Lord, just trust him for what he did for you at the cross. And Lord, for the rest of us, we, we just thank you once again. Take this opportunity to thank you for who we are in Christ as we sit here. And thank you for what lies ahead of us in fellowship and a barbecue. And just loving one another as you command us to in your word. So in this time of communion, we do it in remembrance of you. In a time of reflection and thanksgiving.